What is going on at Sandals Church? Online, what's up everybody? Man, we are so glad to be joining with you today. I'm yes. here with Will Yi. And I'm here with the one and only Vivi Diaz. And we'd like to welcome you guys from all over the world. That is right. And listen, if this is your first time joining us, we are so glad that you're here, but we wanna know who you are and where you're watching from. We want you to feel like yes. you're kicking it with us yes, right now. Yes, with us. Just Let's having go. a conversation. Yes. And the easiest way to do that is mm -hmm. by heading on over to Sandals sandalschurch.com slash next or yes. you could do one of our favorite options and drop us a message in the yes. chat below Absolutely. we've got some live hosts that are there ready to connect with you digitally and get to know who you are and just why god has brought you here yep and if you guys are at one of our sandals church anywhere locations feel free to let your hosts know that you're here yeah. and if you are watching sandals church online sandals church anywhere is the way to go it is and yes. part of what i love about it is it's not just anywhere it's yeah. for anyone yeah. Entonces, si hablen en español, tenemos sí. un servicio para yes. ustedes. Sí, muy bien. ¿Entendiste? Encendiste, yes. <laughs> Listen, for those of you that maybe didn't understand, if you yeah. speak Spanish, what I love about Anywhere is that it is for anyone. So if you speak Spanish yeah. or know someone that does, we've got a Spanish yes. service just for you yes. at sandalschurch.com slash Spanish. Love it. And guys, one of the coolest part about Sandals Church is our vision. Mm. And that vision is being real with ourselves, God, and others. And that vision has kept me here at Sandals Church, and it's a vision worth sharing, guys. It so is. please share the heck out of yes, this vision, guys. Let's share go. it, spread it. Both of our yes. lives have been changed by it, and Absolutely, we yes. want to see how God's going to change yours. But right now, we're going to jump into worship. Ooh, we're going to stop worship. talking and jump in together. Yes. So we are so glad that you're all here joining us, and let's get into it. See you guys. You are, you are. 
Church family, if you just clicked on, my name is Jeff and you are in the right place. If you have kiddos, we got a place just for them too at kids.sandalschurch.tv. There you and your kids can experience a great service as you help them grow in their faith. If you are at one of our Sandals Church Anywhere locations, we're so glad that you are gathered together and that you get to do life and church right in your community with the people that you know. That is actually our hope for everyone who joins us here online, that you get to experience church no matter where you are. In fact, this is such a big deal to us that last year we launched Sandals Church Anywhere, which is a way for people anywhere in the world to host their very own Sandals Church experience. And in less than a year, we have launched 10 Sandals Church Anywhere locations across the United States and the world. And we've got at least another five on the way here soon. I know there are many of you watching right now enjoying the benefits of a real church. We know that there's so many of you that want more out of this Sandals Church experience. If you want to learn more about Sandals Church anywhere and maybe even host your own, check it out at sandalschurch.com slash anywhere. Right now, we're going to get into the message. And I'm excited that we're actually still continuing in our series, Win in Rome. We're in Rome, guys. We, we, we ain't leaving for a while. But that's a good thing because actually scholars believe that one of the most important books in the Bible is the book of Romans, the book that we're actually in right now. In fact, many churches and pastors agree that it is actually the best guide for understanding what Christ offers, as well as the best practical guide for how to live life, a life of Christ. And here, with another punch and hug, <laughs> is our lead pastor, Matt Brown. Hey 
Hey guys, welcome to Sandals Church. So glad you are joining us, man. And I wanna talk to you today about in our series, When in Rome, what do you need to change? I mean, here's the problem. So much change is all around us. Some change we want, some change we don't want. A lot of change we're overwhelmed with but we're gonna look at an amazing passage of scripture today. If you're new to Sandals, as I read through the book of Romans the first time, I don't know how many years ago, I really parked in this chapter and I could really relate to so many of the things that the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter seven. But I want you to be thinking about this before we begin our journey. Because so many of us, we really feel like, man, I'm overwhelmed with all the change that's happening out there. I can't think of any change that needs to occur in here. And so I just want to encourage you, no matter where you're at today, no matter what's going on, no matter how you feel, whether you've been at Sandals Church for a long time, or this is the first time you've ever heard of Sandals Church and you've ever heard me speak, I want you to know that you and I can change more than we think. One of the reasons I think we're overwhelmed is we feel like everything's spinning out of control and I can do nothing. And I want you to know that that is not the spirit of God. That is the spirit of your enemy, the devil, who's saying, just sit there. There's nothing that you can do. There is chaos everywhere. But let me tell you something, and we're gonna end today with the reality that you don't have to have chaos in here, that Jesus specifically wants to bring you peace. So one of the most famous prayers, it's not in the Bible, it's called the serenity prayer, and I'm gonna read it to you. It says this, God, right? So, so even uh, Alcoholics Anonymous know that they need God, and if you call yourself a Christian today, you need to know I need God too. So God, grant me the serenity. Now that's a big word, amen? I mean, I, you know, I graduated you know, public school, so, so help me out here. Serenity, according to dictionary.com, is a state of being calm. Okay, you're like, yeah, I've never, I've never you know, had serenity in my life. It's a state of being calm. Listen to this, peaceful and untroubled. So God, grant me the ability to be calm. Grant me the ability to be at peace. Grant me the ability to be untroubled. Now, maybe this needs to be your prayer. And you may never have had an addiction, man, but you need to become addicted to this prayer. Lord, I need this. But listen to the prayer. Help me, Lord. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. There are some things we can't change. But listen to this, but the courage to change the things I can. It's why we don't change, because change takes courage. It's really, really easy to just look at, you know, all the things that are happening out there that you can't change, and it's really easy to ignore the, the, the things that you can change. So I want to pray for you today that you have the courage to change the things you can. And here's, man, here... This is just the powerful part of the sentence and the wisdom to know the difference. You see, some of us today, we're so focused on what we can't change, we can't discern from the Spirit of God what he's calling us to change and will empower us to change. And let me just say this. I know there's been a lot in the media once again. There's so much out there about, you know, the world is burning down. Listen to me, we can't change the world around us, but we can through the power of Jesus, change the world within us. And that's, uh, that's where Jesus wants to start today. Quit looking at the news and listen to his good news. One of the things that makes me so sad about our current culture is that we have all become prisoners to the way things are. And we just say, this is the way it is. We've all become fatalists. Oh, there's nothing I can do about it. Let me tell you something. Change, if you're a Christian, is inevitable. Paul writes these words to the church in Corinth. You think you got problems? Read the book of Corinthians. You'll feel so much better about your life. <laughs> Paul says, listen, 
listen. He's, he's calling you to, to pull in a little bit and he says, I wanna tell you a mystery. He says, we will not all sleep. That means he's talking about death. We're not all gonna die, right? But we will all be changed. Some of you are like, I'm never gonna defeat this addiction. My marriage is never gonna be healed. I, I'm never gonna be able to face my anxiety. I'm never going to be able to, to handle and get a hold of my depression. Here's the promise, one day it will happen. And that needs to give you some hope today. Because what it says is even if you feel defeated right now, you will have victory in a moment. When, Pastor Matt? Well, it's a mystery. He says, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, when Christ returns. See, I want you to know that Christianity is a religion of change. A religion of change. You see, Sandals Church, we come out of what's called the Reformed Movement. Okay, we, we noticed that there were some things that were really, really wrong within the Catholic Church. And, and if you're Catholic, I'm not talking about your faith. I'm talking about the way it was hundreds of years ago. And there were Catholic priests that said, we need to change this. We've gotten on the wrong path. We need to come back to the right path. And one of their chants was always changing, always reforming because Christianity is a religion of change. And so much of what's wrong in our faith is we've gotten stuck in our faith. And some of you are more concerned with doing, the way things, doing things the way they've always been done than saying, God, what do you wanna do in me today? What, what, what do you want to speak to me today? Christianity is a religion of change, real change, listen to me, deep change. But God will not change you until you are ready to be changed. Let me tell you something about God, God is love. And that means he doesn't force himself on you. He waits for you to say, I'm ready to change. And it's amazing to me. So for many of us, we, we call ourselves Christians and we don't realize the power of Christianity and its ability to change us. I was listening to an atheist this week. Uh, I've recently got addicted to TikTok, pray for me. Um, <laughs> and I'm, follow, I'm following this strand because I wanna hear what the atheists are saying. I wanna hear what they're saying. I don't know a lot of atheists personally, so I wanna hear what they're saying. And I was listening to an atheist, and listen, he was describing the historical facts about Jesus. Now, some of you are a little nervous, but I think you're gonna be encouraged. Here is a historian, a scientist, who gives us four facts about Christianity. These are not feelings, these are not issues of faith, these are facts. And I want you to listen to what an atheist said. Number one, Jesus was a real Jew from Palestine. He's not made up. Okay, he's not, the, he's not the Easter bunny. He's a real guy who lived a real life. He says, anyone who denies the historical reality of Jesus is lying. This is an atheist. Number two, Jesus died by public crucifixion. He died. We got a billion Muslims in this world that don't believe Jesus actually died because the Quran says he didn't. They said it just looked like he died. Okay, here's what this atheist is saying. He died, the Romans were great at killing people. They're really, really good. And if you know the story, they checked and stabbed him in the heart. I mean, that's fatal today, amen? You get stabbed in the heart, there's not a lot that we can do for you. You know, I might not even do CPR, I'm just gonna pray that you know Jesus. <laughs> Jesus was stabbed in the heart after he was crucified, after he was beaten, he died. He said it's a fact. Number three, three days after the death of Jesus, listen to this, his followers believed they had a real encounter with a resurrected Jesus. Now he doesn't believe it, but what he's saying is these disciples who ran for their lives when Jesus died, 
have now come together boldly and arrogantly with the message that he is alive. And listen to me, this is an atheist, and they shared this message openly and immediately and suffered greatly for it. Fourth fact, this is crazy. This is who we're talking about today. The church's greatest enemy, Saul from Tarsus, who hated Christians, rejected Jesus as God's one and only son, didn't believe that he rose. He didn't even believe he was a prophet. He had an encounter with the risen Jesus Christ, or at least he believed he did, and it was so powerful. Listen to me, those of you who are trapped in the way things are, that he changed his name to Paul, and he changed your world and mine with his message. That's an atheist. We gotta have that guy preach at our church. Some of you guys, some of you guys need to believe like an atheist. But here's, here's what you need to know. To change, to change, I need something more powerful than motivation. You see, I think the disciples wanted to follow Jesus. I think they wanted to be loyal to Jesus. But man, motivation, it's helpful for a moment, amen? But never at the moment you need it. And that's where we sit in Romans 7, 17 through 19. Some of you have never heard this Bible passage in your life, and I pray you never forget it. It changed my life. As somebody who really tried to be a better person, oh, I was so encouraged to know I wasn't alone. The apostle Paul said these words, the same guy who's, who hated Christians, who didn't believe in Jesus. He believed he had a real encounter with Jesus Christ who rose from the dead and he was, his life was changed. Here's what he said. He said, for what I want to do, I don't do. Amen, anybody been there? For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate to do, I find myself doing. I mean, we just, right? We're all gonna exercise, we're all gonna get in shape. And then you look at the mirror, you step on the scale. What happened? What happened? Oh, I'm gonna read through my Bible, there's COVID, I'm not gonna watch TV, I'm gonna stop you know, eating Cheez-Its and I'm gonna focus on Jesus. And some of you don't even know where your Bible is. I mean, you ever done that? You listen to a sermon, you go to church, I'm changing! And you forget that on the way down the street. He says, I know that good itself, good itself, the essence of goodness does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. A lot of you talk about, well, I was born this way. That's what Paul's talking about. And he's talking about the fact that the way he's born is impossible to change on his own. He says, for I have the desire, that's motivation, to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I can't carry it out for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. This guy wrote the Bible, and that should encourage you. It should encourage me. I'm not the only knucklehead. Here's what's wrong with motivation. Internal motivation is erratic and unreliable, amen? It is erratic. I mean, they don't put the vegetables at the checkout stand, amen? <laughs> It's all powdered donuts and candy and sweets and chocolates. Man, I, I, you know, I haven't had powdered donuts in years, but I, when, when I was in high school, I had a steady diet of powdered, powdered donuts, amen? 
which makes me laugh because I had braces all through high school and I never remember brushing my teeth, ever. I have no memory of that. Hello. Yeah. Can you imagine? But internal, internal motivation, it's, it's erratic. Today I'm gonna work out. And then you ever done that? I set my alarm, I got my running shoes there. Sometimes I sleep in my running shorts because I was motivated in the evening. And then I wake up, I'm like, no way. And I'm like, it's too cold. And for those of you watching in some really cold places, like it's never too cold in Southern California. I had lunch with a guy yesterday who would run in Idaho in negative 20. He's like, yeah, they say your lungs will freeze and mine didn't. And I was like, I don't, I don't know that I would have tested that theory, right? But in Southern California, I'm like, it's 70 degrees today. It's shivering, you know? But we do that. Some of you say, well, I'm gonna read my Bible every day. And you haven't read your Bible on one day. As married couples, we're gonna start praying together. And you haven't prayed once. And you just beat yourself up. That's what the Paul's saying. He said, I want to do what's right. But that's not what I do. I inevitably end up doing what I don't want to do. Like I've been married for 25 years. I don't wake up in the morning and go, you know what? Today I'm gonna to raise my voice to an unacceptable level to Tammy. That's not what I do. I say, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna nod, I'm gonna be an active participant in how she wants to make our relationship better. And what do I do? Two seconds in, that's not what happened. You think this is loud, this is not loud. I can get loud. Whoa, what happened? You know, I'm gonna be attentive to my kids, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna act like I care, yes. Yes, tell me about all your problems and how I can solve them. Right? Internal, internal motivation is erratic and it's unreliable. So here's what we do, oh, I'm gonna hire a coach. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get counseling. And I know sometimes those things are good, but external motivation is intimidating and overwhelming. Like I work out at a gym and right next to the men's restroom is, is the area where you ride on the stationary bikes. It's always women in there. And these are the scariest women on earth, man. The, I, people are dying in there. I don't know what's happening. The volume, as I walk by, I have to press my ear. It's so loud. And you know, there's a lady on stage, blah, 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 you know, I'm like, whoa! Screaming at all these poor women, it's okay to die, no pain, no gain. I'm like, no wonder people don't go to gyms. I have to be careful, because I think some of those ladies go to Sandals Church. <laughs> So uh, they'll try to catch me, but they're on a stationary bike. I'll get by, <laughs> right? It's, it's overwhelming. I mean, some of you, you walked into a gym and you're like, nope, you know, there's people that are fit in here. I'm not going in there. And the same thing happens when we go to church. And, and for some of you who, you know, you're looking for a place to serve, become a greeter. There's no scarier feeling than to walk into a church for the first time. There's all these holy people in here. You're like, this is sandals, bro. Holy people go down the street. <laughs> but it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Some of you, some of you, you've grown up in church. It's why I don't say open your Bibles and turn to. Because you know, when I was first got my life right with church, I would hear the pastor say that and I would look at everybody looking. They're like, okay, where is that left? Do we go right? Where is that? Nobody knows where to turn. You know, when you bought the Bible without page numbers, you're like, <laughs> that's why we just give you the notes. It's on your phone. You know, and if you can't turn on the phone that you own, 
I can't help you. You know? Open up the app. We give it right to you. We're trying to make it not overwhelming. But let me just say this. We are not saved because of what we know. We are saved because of who we know. Last week in the lobby, I was standing out there and a young man, he opened his Bible. He had a big Bible. It's intimidating. So his pastor and he points right at this verse. What does this mean? And I was so, I was super confident because I read the Bible. And I looked at that verse and I was like, yeah, I got nothing. I, I kid you not. I've been your pastor for almost 25 years. I've never seen that verse in my life. Did you put that in there? And he's like, pastor, it seems to be saying contradictory things. And I'm like, yeah, I, I agree. So I pulled my Jedi mind trick. I said, well, I'll look at it in the Hebrew and we'll talk next week. It happens. It happens. Don't be afraid to be a beginner. That's the number one reason I think so many people never change. And it's okay to say, I don't know. That's what I said. I don't know. Well, I said, I'll, I'll find out. But I didn't know. I didn't have the answer. Listen to this. Number three, in order to change, I need the courage to look at what actually holds me back. You see, in our culture, we're afraid to actually look at issues. We're afraid. We talk around issues. We get in our political silo. We create make-believe solutions. We don't ever really talk about things. Here's the temptation. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 7, 14. You see, he thought the problem was these crazy Christians believing in this false prophet who died. But then he met him. He met him. Here's what he said. So he thought the problem was Christianity. And that's what a lot of atheists think. The problem with the world is religion. So if we get rid of religion, uh, we get communism. How'd that work out? It's not so great. Listen to what Paul says. So the trouble is not with the law. Think about our culture. We got to change laws. We got to change all these laws. So some people who maybe don't go to church, well, we got to change the church. The church is broken. The church, uh, you know, it's all about money. It's all about power. It's about control. I hear all of these things. So people, you know, if you don't go to church, you point at the church. If you, if you go to church, you point at the laws. He says, listen, he says, the, the trouble is not with the law. Now, he's talking about his cultural laws that were both legal laws and religious laws. They were both as a Jew, okay? He says, the trouble is not with the law. He says, for it is spiritual and good. Listen to this. He says, the trouble is, wait for it, with me. For I am all too human, ooh, listen to these words, and a slave to sin. This is coming from a guy who spent his life trying to be good. Some of you aren't even trying. Some of you are like, for the first time in your life, you're considering, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe. And some of the young people in our church, right? You march on the left, you march on the right. Listen to me. For those of us who are centered on Jesus, we will never be left or right enough for some people. And I get it from both sides, right? Both sides think I'm on the other side. I'm trying to be on Jesus' side because he's the only one who can truly bring about change. Because you can change laws, but laws don't affect hearts. And let me say this. 
for those of you who are consumed with changing someone or something else, you will never experience the change you need by trying to change someone else. It doesn't work that way. Wouldn't that be nice? If I just, and you guys, they, you know, they're, they're changing, I feel better now. And that's why some of you are overwhelmed by life because you're waiting for everyone else in your life to change when Jesus wants to change you. And it's scary, isn't it? Oh, if my kids weren't crazy, if my family wasn't this, if the government wasn't this, if these people weren't this, and we spend our lives just convincing ourselves that what needs to change is everyone around me. I'm gonna change the world. Okay, well, let's start with you. I'll start with you. Listen to what he says, man. This is so good. Romans 7, 21 and 24. He said, I've discovered this principle of life. And let me just tell you, for those of you who are new to Christianity, if you wanna steady your life, build your life on principles, not politics. It's one of the reasons I get so frustrated with politicians is they lack principles. And so they just kind of, What's, what does everybody think? What does everybody think? I mean, I can't say that. 54% of Americans are dumb, <laughs> are dumb. I don't care what they think, you know, random guy. What do you think? I mean, who's that guy? <laughs> who's that guy? Quit asking him, make the right decision, have some principles. Have you ever watched those interviews? You know, who's George Washington? Like, I don't, I don't know, I'm just American. I have no, I don't know, I don't know. It's crazy. You know, I saw somebody get interviewed. What, what do you think of the Electoral College? Oh, I didn't go to college. <laughs> I don't want that person making the decisions. Listen, he said, I've discovered this principle. And that's what happens in life. We discover principles, right? Because there's a way that you think's right, and then you go, oh, well, that was wrong. He said, I've discovered this principle. And one of the reasons the Apostle Paul changed his life is he was willing to be wrong. He thought he could see, so God blinded him. And then God sent Paul to a Christian to heal him. Isn't that amazing? And so many of you, you know, yeah, Christianity is for weak people. Yeah, and that's you. It's me. We're fragile. We're fragile. That's what COVID has shown us, despite all of our technology, despite everything, man, a lot of people have died. Here's the principle he's discovered. When I want to do what's right, listen to this word, inevitably, I do what's wrong. Isn't that crazy? You can have the best motives in the world and still hurt somebody. You can have the greatest intentions on earth and still run over somebody. He says, I found this principle of life that when I want to do what's right, inevitably I do what's wrong. Some of the most confused people in a divorce are the husband and the wife. I don't, I don't know what happened. They meant to do what's right. And what happened is they killed their marriage. They killed their marriage. And you say, well, I love God. I love God. I love Jesus. Okay, listen to the next sentence. I love God's law with all my heart. He says, but there's another power. There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. 
I think this is one, one of the most unspoken, uh, unidentified issues in the church. Oftentimes, anxiety comes from conflict within the soul. And many of you are living a dual life and your soul is screaming out, I can't do this anymore. And Paul knows what it is. I love God. I want to do what's right. I want to be faithful to, to my marriage, my kids, my church, my God. I want to do what's right, but it's not just me and God. There's something else here that makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. And that's why so many people are like, oh, we got to get out of California. We got to get out of America. We got to get out of here. Let me tell you something. Wherever you go, there you are. There you are, you cannot outrun yourself. And so until you deal with yourself, you're never going to experience the change Christ wants to bring. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Those who seek to save their life will lose it, Jesus says, but those who die for my sake, he says, will find it. The beginning of eternal life is the end of your life. And it's killing that sin that's inside you. It's saying, this is awful, this is terrible. I can't believe some of the things that I've said to people I claim to love the most. Like, you ever had that? A word just got out? You're like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Like, well, where did it come from? I don't know. What happened was the truth just came out. You just couldn't control it. Listen to this. Ah, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Paul's crying out. Listen to me, religious person. He said, I tried religion, it didn't work. Listen to me, activist. Paul was an activist. He's more active than you'll ever be. Activism didn't work. He tried religious change, he tried governmental change. He had papers in his hand. He had, a, he, had, he had public authority to hurt Christians. Right? Coca-Cola was like, go ahead, do it. Big business, big government, the culture. Everybody was saying, Paul, you just do it. You do what you think is right. And he says, none of that worked. None of that worked. Let me just ask you right now, what is sin holding you back from? Because some of you think it's this person, it's this people, it's this group in power, it's my family, it's my friends, my lack of friends. Isn't it amazing we have an endless ability to blame everyone else? It's not me, it's you. I want you to know this, that sin right now as I speak is holding you back and me back from the truth I need to succeed. You need the truth. That's why Jesus said the truth will set you free. And one of the ways that we avoid the truth is we ask the wrong questions intentionally. We do this in our culture. We see this all the time. I mean, just yesterday, a judge in California, for those of you who don't live in California, we have a huge homeless crisis. A judge in California ruled that the city of LA has to house like this 160,000 homeless people. I can tell you, it's not a housing problem. It's not a housing problem. 
a very small percentage of that 160,000 need a house. Most of them need psychological help and care and drug intervention. No matter how much money we spend on the wrong solution, it will never provide the change we need. It just, it doesn't it won't work. And don't send me an email about the one, the one person you know. I'm not saying that there aren't actual people that need a home. I'm just saying when I see the masses of humanity who are without homes, they have deeper problems than housing. And so do you. There's something within you that's holding you back from the life God wants to give you. Next, sin is holding me back from the relationships I want. There's a woman in our church 10 years ago. She came up to me after service. Pastor, I just want to know what's wrong with all the men in this church and well, they won't step up and marry me. <laughs> Whoa. That's not, a, that's not an appropriate exit plan of singleness. Amen? <laughs> she wants to know what's wrong with all the men of Sandals Church. It's like, first of all, I, I don't know them all, but I haven't met you and have been underwhelmed by your charm and approach. <laughs> Another woman in our church, a dear friend, she came to me with tears in her eyes. She said, Pastor, why won't guys date me? And you know what she said? She said, hurt my feelings because people won't tell me the truth and it hurts more. It hurts more. So I told her, here's what I see. She's married. She's married. You see, sin keeps us from the relationships that we want. And maybe it's not marriage, maybe it's a friend. Why can't I keep friends? What's the common denominator? Why, why, why do I struggle at work? Why do I keep getting fired? Sin is holding you back from the relationships and the success that God wants to bless you with right now. He didn't come to ruin your life. We do that on our own. He came to save your life. And this is the last point. Sin, sin is holding me back from the life God has for me. You see, some of you right now, you're focused on your dreams. What if you ask this question? Jesus, what's your dream for my life? What is it? You see, the Apostle Paul, he tried everything. He, some of you have never opened your Bible. He memorized the Bible. He was one of the top students of his day. He says in the Bible that he far surpassed all of his, his peers. If the Apostle Paul was alive today, he'd go to Harvard, Yale, Stanford. He graduated at the top of his class. He would be on, on track to the powerful and privileged. That's where he was going. But he realized his human efforts, he says this, were scubalin. The, world is, the word is human excrement. It's poop compared to what Jesus had for him. And he let it all go. You see, the world thinks Paul was crazy. He let go of fame and fortune because he found faith. But Paul thinks you're crazy for pursuing things that don't last, fame and fortune. In order to change, listen to me, I need, you need, we need the full power of Jesus working in my life. 
Some of you, can I just say this? You've said, Jesus, you can have this area, but not this. I see it all the time. Christians say, Lord, I want you to bless my life, but don't touch my money. Don't touch my money. And for those of you who don't let the Lord have your money, you need to know that God says, if you trust me with it, I'll bless it. You're like, no, I don't want, I don't want my money blessed. Nope. I don't want it. You haven't trusted him with that. You say, God, I, I, don't want, I, I want you to bless my life, but don't, don't tell me what to do in relationships. I want to have sex with who I want, where I want. I want you to know this. Our culture is miserable because we've said no to God. Romans 7, 24, oh, what a miserable person I am. I am. I wonder what people like in Africa, in India, what they think of our news when they look at us as Americans. A couple of years ago, I had, I had a doctor, Dr. Singh, and he's an immigrant from India. And he said, he said, I have a really hard time understanding what Americans complain about. <laughs> and if you'd been to India, you'd have a better appreciation of what he's talking about. But we're miserable, we're miserable. Paul says, who will set me free from this life that is dominated by sin and death? What's the news every night? All the things that have gone wrong, sin and who died, death. Look at our miserable culture. Look at it. We overeat, but we're all starving. We're all starving. Like one of my friends sent me a picture of a new Krispy Kreme donut that's made with an Oreo. Did we need that? Did we need that? Was Krispy Kreme like, we are lacking calories and sugar. What can we do to spice up this deep fried crack? What can we do? I know. Put an Oreo on it. And every American that overeats, oh, I got to get that. Oh. Right? You go out to a restaurant. Oh, I'm totally full. You want to see the dessert menu? Sure. Sure. <laughs> we overeat, but we're all starving. What, what your soul is saying is there's got to be something more. Look, we, we have information, oh my gosh. You guys have access to information that the wealthiest, most powerful people a few hundred years ago, ago would have died for. Died for. Do you know that people died to print a Bible? To print it in a language that people could understand. Horrible deaths so that, so that people could read the book, you don't even know where it is. We have information, but no understanding. How about this one? We are, we are technologically connected, but personally isolated. Some of you, you, you got thousands of friends and not one soul who loves you. Why is that? Because as long as you're trying to gain followers, you're gonna miss out on the point of life and that's to become a follower of Jesus. He's inviting you to real intimacy, real community and real connection. We're financially wealthy, you're like, not me. What other country in the world mails, mails $100 checks, $1,000 checks to people that don't work? You think people in Africa today show up, oh, I got $1,000 today. 
No, they don't know if they're gonna eat today. We are financially wealthy, but we are spiritually bankrupt. And here's the thing about misery, man, and you guys all know it, misery loves what? Company. Join me in my misery tonight at 11. Like, it's amazing. I think, I think Bill Maher is the first media person I've seen get it right. He calls it panic porn. Bill Maher. That's what he said. He said, we got a problem. We're addicted to misery. And here's the thing. Misery loves company, but it loves to point a finger. It's not my fault. It's your fault. Oh, what a miserable person. I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? What's wrong with the world? We are dominated by sin and death. Why is there racism? We are dominated by sin and death. Why is there sexism? We are dominated by sin and death. Why is there cancer? We are dominated by sin and death. Thank God. Thank God the answer is Fox News. Thank God there's CNN. Thank God there's the internet because I got the real information, Pastor Matt. Stop sending me your emails. <laughs> My gosh. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Some of you don't realize this. The Jews, the followers of Jesus, they're 12 nobodies. Well, 11, because one got it wrong and killed himself. His name was Judas. 11 of them, they're nobodies. Do you know what they call, what the gospel is of Angelon? The gospel is the word that the Romans would use when they whipped somebody. Evangelon, we kicked their butts. We won. That's what the gospel is. We won. Why? Because Jesus won. And because you belong to him, Paul says, the power of the life giving spirit, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead can rise you out of your misery if you ask. Or you can go it alone and hang out with your miserable friends. The life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death, the death of your marriage, the death of your finances, the death of your hope, the death of your dreams. You see, the Holy Spirit frees you from the power of sin. We talked about, right, internal motivation. I'm going to do it this time. We talk about external motivation. I'm going to pay somebody to yell at me. Come on, suck it up. No pain, no gain. And then there's spiritual motivation. The power of God, the voice of God that says, we can do this because I will do this. The Holy Spirit fills you with the power of the risen Jesus. We don't need internal power. We don't need external power. We need spiritual power. Look, if you try to go get in your car today without gas, without the power of gas, your car will go nowhere. You're like, I drive a Tesla. Okay, rich guy. <laughs> Most of us drive cars with gas. But you need to know this, without the power of electricity, none of your technology would work. Not even your Tesla would work. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't have the power to change a thing in your life. So Jesus Christ is crucified, 
He rises from the dead on the third day. Thomas says, I won't believe. I won't believe unless I touch him, see him in my face. And then Jesus appears and everybody's freaking out. Listen to these words. Some of you have missed this in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 22. Jesus says, peace I leave unto you. And then guess what he does? He breathes on them, the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to know this. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to make you weird. It wants to bring you peace. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to make your life chaotic. It's already chaotic. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you the power of the risen Christ. And I want to challenge you right now. Right now. Quit looking at your life and look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I just need a fresh breath today. Some of you who don't know your Bibles, you don't know. You don't know about the breath of God. In the first chapters of Genesis, when God takes clay and he made us, it says he breathed in us and we became a living person. Man, if you want to come alive with Jesus, you need the spirit of God. And Jesus wants to give you that spirit. Jesus didn't die alone so you would live alone. He died alone so you could live with him forever and he's going to send you his spirit right now. And for some of you, man, you, you, your, your marriage is not where it needs to be. Your relationship with your kids isn't where it is. Your finance, I mean, you're overwhelmed. You're so overwhelmed. Quit looking at everything on the outside and invite the Holy Spirit on the inside. And say, breathe on me again. So what I want to do is I'm going to ask you to bow your head and, and close your eyes. And I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to breathe on us again. And this isn't to make you weird. This isn't to make you loud. This is to fill you with his power. This is the peace that surpasses all understanding. This is serenity. Peace in the midst of chaos. So let me pray for you right now. Risen Jesus, almighty God, we're so overwhelmed. Our lives are so chaotic and we so lack the ability to change anything. Right now, we invite the power of your spirit, the same Holy Spirit, Lord, who hovered above creation and made the heavens and the earth, the same spirit who made us. God, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, we invite that power, that spirit into our lives, and we invite you to breathe fresh life into us, into our marriage, our relationship with our kids, our finances, our health, our life. We just ask God, we're out of breath. We need your fresh breath, the life-giving breath. Jesus, just breathe on us right now. Send us your spirit. We open our lives to the work and power of your spirit, and we invite your spirit to change us as you empower us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the power we need to get us through. We can't expect to live this life the right way, God's way, without the power 
of the Holy Spirit. All throughout the Bible, we read how the Spirit can be helpful in our lives, but the beginning of understanding the Holy Spirit actually starts with reading the Bible. You know, a few weeks ago, we introduced to you the growth path, and it's your personalized tool to follow Jesus in real life. And there are seven unique steps on this path, and no matter where you are at in your relationship with God or how involved you are or not with Sandals Church, we want to help you take your next best steps. Not only that, but we've also developed new Bible reading plans with each steps in mind. We're going to help you read the Bible. You can find your personalized growth path and these reading plans right in the Sandals Church app. You know, some of my most profound experiences with the Holy Spirit have actually been times when I've been gathered with other people who are following Jesus just like me. And that's our hope for every person who is watching today, for you who are watching today, that you can have a place where you can gather to experience God with others. And in fact, that's why we launched Sandals Church Anywhere. It's, it's a place for people to gather and, and, and a place to experience the best of what Sandals Church has to offer. And I want to let our entire online family know that all of our Sandals Church Anywhere locations will be taking part in a special Love Our Campus event over the next few weeks. As a global Sandals Church community, we want to do something special for our online communities through our Sandals Church Anywhere locations. We've decided to highlight some real needs to people who need it most and love people in some specific ways. And, and whether, whether or not you're a part of these communities, I want you to know that places like this exist and we're able to come alongside others and serve them because of your giving. For those of you who give, this is why we do what we do. When you give to Sandals Church, you help us equip people to take our vision into their families, their neighborhoods, and their communities. Thank you so much for giving. As your pastor, I want to say thank you. And if you would like to be a part of a continuing, growing, global family and community, you can give and check out sandalschurch.com slash loveourcampus to find out more about the families and individuals that we together have an opportunity to love and support through some challenging seasons. My online Sandals Church family, thank you so much for being here. And I hope to see you next week. Take care.